Hello, it's Larry Clark with another episode of From the Composer from Excelsior Music Publishing, and I'm looking forward today to talking to composer George Sweet. Hi, George. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Thanks for joining us today, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to you about your music and your background and things like that. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, it's very exciting. So how did you start? How did you get into composition? Maybe give us a little background story on you know how, you, how things got started for you. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Uh, as I was growing up, I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house and she had, back when they had parlor organs, she had an organ in her parlor. Mm -hmm. uh, so I spent many a summer at that organ kind of figuring things out. I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I figured out play one, skip one, play one, skip one and, uh, got into making little pieces. And then of course I had the cassette tapes of all the John Williams scores for star Wars, um, that I would try to mimic on the organ. And then, You're dating uh, yourself with cassette tapes now. I, I thought about it. And I, I almost said LPs, but uh, <laughs> even further dating yourself, right? <laughs> and so I would try to kind of figure out, ooh, what is that sound? And then um, when I got to middle school in sixth grade, I started playing saxophone in the band, and that's where it really began. I had a great teacher, uh, Mitch Hopper, who um, I had him through sixth through twelfth grade. I was fortunate to have the same teacher the whole run. And he yeah. really in encouraged uh, creativity, and um, he switched me from saxophone to bass, which is what I still play today, upright bass. Mm -hmm. And uh, he'd also give me new things to listen to. Um, and one of the things that he gave me was Steve Reich's Music for 18 Musicians, which I then took back to the organ, which we inherited, and tried to figure it out. And mm -hmm. uh, then I went to uh, Mars Hill College, or it's university now, dating myself again, uh, and uh, did a music ed degree. And I had another great teacher there, Danny Schmidt, who also uh, turned me on to a lot of new music and things like that. Uh, there was some new music in the curriculum, but uh, it was towards the, towards the end of it. And so, so much of that modern post-45 music is conceptual. So I would uh, write little pieces to uh, try and, and get that concept, you know, the concept of serialism or or, or some of the uh, sound mass clangfarben stuff. And then I realized, well, this isn't just exercise. I'm, I'm actually writing pieces. And then so I tried to get some people to play it and I managed to get one on my senior recital. Mm -hmm. and I, I did a, uh, I was a band director for a while, which was uh, neat because I could use that as a lab to see, you know, what things worked. I'd write little warm ups and things like that. Um, I was always into harmony, but I wasn't quite so sure about voicings and, you know, which ones speak well with brass and things like that. So that was a good uh, lesson for there. And then th from that point on, I was like, I think I want to do this. And then I did uh, grad school at Northern Arizona University uh, for a composition. Right. Now, uh, I know this, but the, of course, the listeners may not know this, but you, you've played for the most part uh, in your per performing career in bands, even though you're an upright bass player. Yes, that's true. Uh, just by the, the nature of the path I took, our high school didn't have an orchestra. And the uh, and then when I went to uh, Mars Hill, there wasn't an orchestra either. So it just kind of worked out that way that I was always the bass player in wind ensemble. Yeah. But you also have uh, taught strings as well, orchestra? Yes, I have. I did, I've done middle school and high school orchestra as well. I did that in Florida. and And I've also done chorus as well, too. Oh, okay. So you have a diverse background for sure. So uh, besides concert band and orchestra, which, you know, folks that uh, know the music that you've had published uh, through Excelsior, uh, what other things 
do you write and have has, have had performed? Sure. Um, as I started out, um, I was uh, very much, as I said, into the nineteen post nineteen forty five. Um, atonal music. I wrote uh, during grad school and some at Mars Hill um, chamber music. So I would uh, see who was available to play it. And so I write a lot of chamber music for odd ensembles or, uh, you know, a, a soprano or something like that. And, and a, you know, a couple of woodwinds, and a couple of brass. Um, and right. so I'd have those played. And then um, I also uh, do a lot of solo piano stuff that I can manage to get done on my own. Um mm-hmm. And I still do a, a fair amount of chamber music, but nowadays uh, with busy schedules and things like that, I'm also in a few bands that take up a lot of my time. Um, I'll do chamber music still, but only if a group asks for it or if I know that it's going to be able to be played. So. Mm-hmm. Now, do you write, a, you mentioned bands, do you write any music for for them? Oh, um uh, the rock bands. Uh, no, yeah. I don't. No, I don't. They, uh, but they're very, uh, I play the upright bass with that, mostly Arco with the bow. And they're very receptive to me putting, uh, you know, things that I would like in there. So I, I, I get to write the bass lines, uh, and be as creative with it as possible. And they're, you know, they're, they're quick to tell me, well, that might be a little too much or, or vice versa or do something more. So I get to write right. my individual parts, but, uh, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that again, that adds to the fact that I just I think the listeners would be interested that you have sort of an eclectic everything from rock bands to, to concert band to orchestra to choir to all various, you know, interests, which is really cool. Yeah, but bounced bounced around a lot just as chance would happen. And uh, a lot of those early compositions I was talking about in my grandma's parlor were kind of weird mixes between rock and classical. Uh huh. Well, I also find what's interesting is that I, I and I know that you have sort of uh, interest in, like you said, post nineteen forty five, uh, atonal and serialism things like that. But the music that you know you've always written for me, uh, and for publishing is not that. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure, sure, and that was a that was a, another. Uh, step in the road where I'll, I'll say uh, you actually were a great teacher to me if you know by the red pen alone <laughs> um, <laughs> right. and uh, but I, I think of you as, as a teacher yeah it was and that, that a lot of my music is trying to figure out ways to get some of those concepts and some of those sounds into music like that where uh, it's performable by young groups but also accessible you know so yes I don't, don't mm-hmm. want to scare anyone away um, because you could write, you know, atonal music for a young band, and it would just be—I'm—I'm I'm sure it wouldn't go well. <laughs> so it's a, <laughs> a way to try and find as many of those sounds that my ear likes and that I wasn't exposed to until much later, and right. uh, get it get it out there at, a, at an earlier date in a way that's fun too. I, I love film music, and so I kind of think of writing pieces—not all the time, but a lot of the times as a soundtrack for something that's happening, even if it's just an impression and not necessarily a story. And I think that helps translate into young groups too, when they have an idea of what is going on here, as opposed to something, you know, completely abstract. Right. Well, what I think that, um, I, I think why people are drawn to your music that that's been published for students and what, what I'm drawn to and is, is the freshness and the creative uh, harmonic language that you use that's different than anybody else. Oh, thank you very much. And I I guess if I had to pick one area that I focus on the most, I guess it's from my theory background. I'm a 
big theory geek uh, amongst being a band geek. Um, I probably focus on that. And I think that's where, like you said, a lot of that sound comes from finding interesting voicings for chords or added chords or things like that, but that, that are still functional in the performance sense, not necessarily a harmonic sense. Uh, right. And some of it works and some of it doesn't. And that's been an interesting trip along the way to writing tonal melodies, for example. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do a lot of that earlier on, but now that, like you said, that's almost all I do. And, and it's been fed by some of the atonal melodies, but once again, making them, you know, accessible to a, a younger students and directors and audiences as well. Sure. So tell us a little bit then about your process. And you said when you were younger, you played at the, the organ um, and figure some things out. How, how do you, how do you do that now? What's your process for composing? Sure. Um, generally, I start at the piano and uh, still use pencil and paper. I'll do sketches at the piano. And uh, once I get a general shape of the piece uh, <clears throat> in piano reduction, then I'll use uh, notation software to mark it down. But I always usually start either brainstorming or if I have something in my head that I'm trying to get out, I bang it out on the piano first and then you know write it down and then after I have enough, then I'll take it and begin to flesh it out. Some of the more uh, editorial type stuff on the on the music notation software. Right. So, do you find that um, you're a fast composer, slow composer, medium composer? <laughs> oh, it, it depends. Oh, so many things. One is, like I said, time just between bands, and I'm also a music therapist. Uh, it's when I can find the time to get it. So I kind of ooh, I can grab it now. And in some cases, things will uh, come out. I'll have a piece finished in a week. And then mm -hmm. in other cases, you know, I'll, I'll sleep on it for a year. So I guess it depends on the, on the piece, uh, the type of piece, uh, some pieces, for example, that I'm more comfortable with or some type of styles, those will come out rather quick. Like for example, some of the, uh, Copeland sounding orchestra things, uh, those come pretty quickly and naturally just because that's another love of mine is all the American music from the 20th century, Copeland, William right. Schumann, uh, Vincent Persichetti and so forth. Uh, so right. those I find come easier, but uh, it's the things that take longer when I'm trying to do something new, like you were saying, or something fresh, those tend to die. Bad habit of mulling on it and making corrections and making corrections and then going, no, it was fine the first time. And uh, so that's when I get a little bogged down is when I get you know, too, too into the, to the harmonic process. <laughs> right, right. So do you find there are certain times of day that uh, you write better than others, or it's just whenever you can fit it in? I generally perform, prefer morning. Um, uh, if I have the day off, for example, I'll, I'll get up, have coffee, do a couple of chores, and then you know, within an hour of being up, I, I'll sit at the piano. I find that's where things tend to come most naturally. I do write in the evening sometimes, but I tend to do more editorial things in the evening, uh, you know, cleaning up parts, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So if I had my druthers, I'd, I'm, I'd be a morning person. So you talked a little bit about, you know, you do a lot of editing of your own music and then maybe rethink that and maybe change your mind or change it back. Uh, do, you, do you also have any issues with writer's block? And if you do, what, what do you do to go overcome that? Sure. Um, yes, I get uh, writer's block. Uh, I try to have at least two or three pieces going at the same time. Uh, so if I get stuck on one, I can jump over to the other one. And most of the time, the pieces are different enough from each other that it, it's a whole different ballpark and I can let the one that I'm blocked on rest. And then after I spend some time with that, come back to it. Um, I've also uh, learned to work in. Uh, in spurts and take 
little breaks. So write for you know 25 minutes, take a five minute break, walk away, come back, do another 25 minutes. Sometimes that helps. Something in, miraculously in that five minutes will just pop, and when I come back, I'll go, oh, well, it's plain as day. Other times, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other times when it won't come, uh, I will switch gears completely and listen to rock or jazz or something. I'm a big Miles Davis fan, and just get it out of my head completely and just get a fresh start. And I find that if I sleep on something a day or two and then come back to it after not having paid any attention to all, I, I tend to look at it a little differently, and uh, then things will start to resolve themselves. Sure, and I think that's common. And uh, if anybody out there has been listening to you know all these podcasts that we put out, um, that's common with composers. They just say, "I just got to get away from it. I got to do something else. I got to listen to other people's music." And then all of a sudden, it just the the solution presents itself. Yes, uh, and a lot of times, uh, if uh, I'm still in a, a classical mood, I will try to listen to new. Uh, new music that I haven't heard before, even finding composers that I haven't heard before, a lot of NPR listening, uh, to hear something new that is inspiring, or sometimes I'll hear a film score or something like that, and I'll go, oh, that is so cool. And uh, sometimes that unlocks things, too, just being exposed to music that I hadn't heard before or didn't know about. There's so sure. much. Well, you mentioned you know you love Miles Davis, and, and you listen to a lot of music. What you know? What types of things are you listening to? You know, right now, other than Miles Davis. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I am uh, <clears throat> listening to a lot of film scores. I really like Max Richter, who I've heard recently in a score or two, and very, very mm, beautiful, yeah. al almost choral style string writing, uh, very ethereal. So I, I've kind of dove into him. Um, I like progressive rock. So uh, there's a, a neat group that I've been listening to out of uh, Boston. They all went to Berkeley called Bent Knee. They're a neat combination of uh, of rock and jazz with uh, progressive rhythms, odd time signatures, and things like that. Lots of lots to get uh, you know lost in and things like that. I'm a big Rush fan. They're my favorite band in the world. I did say I was a geek, so I, <laughs> I always yeah. listen, I always listen to them. Um, and generally, it's a it's a hunt. I'm trying to find uh, uh, new things. Uh, there is a piece that I listened to the other day by, oh, excuse me, but, um, by Graham Lack called Refugium, which is for uh, children's choir and percussion. Uh, huh. And it's an odd mix. And that, and that gave me some ideas, too. I was like, you know, I never thought of having, you know, like pointillistic percussion with a chorale going on, but have them actually work together. So I try to find new things. I think that's all, the goal for all of us. You know, we're always continuing to try to grow and, and find new sounds that uh, we can incorporate our, in our bag of tricks for sure. Yes. And that, like I said, that also helps with, with block. If you're blocked, sometimes hearing something new or approach to something that you're doing that's taken in a different way, that unlocks things too a lot of times. Absolutely. Absolutely. So has your process, as you've, uh, I guess, sort of been more seasoned as a composer, changed? Uh, yes, um, it, it certainly has. Uh, I do, like I said, a lot more at the piano now. When I first started, I was more apt to sit down at the computer and bypass the piano completely. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that was because so much of the things were conceptual. You didn't necessarily have to hear it, you know, if you were doing you know, pointillistic serialism. Uh, the result is what it's going to be. Um, 
I do a lot more playing through first before I write anything down just to get the piece. I want to be able to to play it in my you know my living room or at, at my office a majority of it first and then I find that writing it down is a lot easier after the fact and it's less trial and error which you can get into with the software of well what's this sound like what's this sound like you don't really know what you're doing but you're you get to hear it immediately so I find I have more control actually if I have it all done beforehand and then use it as a transcribing tool. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to share about your background or your process or any compositional style that uh, listeners might be interested in? Um, With me, it just comes from, like you said, constantly finding something new. I'm very spongy in the fact that if I listen to something numerous times, it shows up in the writing, even if it wasn't intentional. So I find that the more... I listen to and discover, like I discovered in grad school, Joseph Schwantner, who is probably my favorite composer. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I start to hear things that I didn't hear before. So with me, I think it's just a constant learning process. I love, I love finding new things uh, that I hadn't heard before and uh, really digging into them. So I get a lot of textbooks, a lot of PhD dissertations and just kind of dive in. So you're, you're really in- intellectually stimulated by that process. I am. Uh, I have, <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, well, I'm that's a good. I have a whole shelf of uh, you know theory texts. Uh, I probably <laughs> use Persichetti's uh, 20th century music uh, the most, and that's all pre 45. But uh, I just love the way that he uh, puts the examples in, and it's the way that he creates that or creates the chapters. He gives you assignments that when you're done with the assignment, you've got the uh, you know the germ for a piece. Uh, right. And I, I love that. So a lot of times uh, I'll I'll take that book with me and just work work through the exercises in it. And I end up getting some neat ideas that way as well. You mentioned earlier about you like to play your pieces at the piano before you get them to the, uh, uh, key, the computer. Uh, so you must be a pretty good pianist as well. Well, uh, I, I like to play them as much as uh, possible, uh, as much as I can. I wouldn't, I'm by no means a, a pianist, but... Um, Functionally, it I I play it a lot, and I probably tend to play piano sometimes more than bass. With the music therapy, I use piano a lot, and that's something actually that's grown over the years as well. Since I started writing, I've started playing more and more piano, and uh, mm-hmm. so that uh, in a performance sense, that's something that's that's come from uh, learning as well. Uh, but uh, I uh, I have an, enough skill to to get the idea out to hear it, you know, acoustically to go, okay, right. that's, that, that will work. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be doing any, uh, Mozart anytime soon. But. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned, uh, now twice about, uh, that you're a music therapist as well. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that and what you do. Sure. I, um, I, uh, do music therapy with, uh, special needs, uh, children, uh, age three to 22. And, uh, wow. And that is, uh, a lot of it is me playing, like I was saying, uh, and if they are able to perform, getting them to play back as well, even if it's just, you know, a random, uh, you know, drum, drum beat. Um, and so, uh, each, each case is different. So it's a lot of playing and a lot of leading kind of like that, but I've been doing that for the last seven years and it was a refreshing change. Um, I did a band and orchestra for probably nine to 10 years prior to that. So it was a, a neat change that opened up 
different avenues and things like that. But I really that must be, that. yeah, that must be a very challenging uh, job, but also at the same time very re- rewarding to see see their reaction. Yes, definitely. That's that's great. Well, George, thank you so much for giving us insight into your piece. Oh, thank you. And uh, if people would like to get in contact with you to learn more about your music or uh, to maybe discuss how they could possibly commission you to write a piece for their group, uh, how can they do so? Absolutely. Um, I have a website that's georgesweet.net, G-E-O-R-G-E-S-W-E-E-T.net. Um, and there's a, a email on that website that you can send to me. And um, then I also have a Facebook page, which is George Sweet Composer is the title of, uh, of the Facebook page. And then, uh, I see both of those pretty regularly, and I'll, I'll, I'm usually pretty good about getting, getting back quickly. And you're okay with uh, people contacting you who want to know more about your music? Absolutely. Please do. Yeah, I, I, I find as a composer, that's just kind of fun to know what, that the music's out there and people are getting something out of it. Sure, and and I, I love it. It's a learning experience for me, too, because I hear feedback on it from the performance standpoint, and uh, right. I, always, I always learn from that as well. Excellent. Well, George, thanks again for talking to us, and uh, it's really been a pleasure to speak with you about your music, and we look forward to more and more of it over the years at Excelsior Music Publishing. Thank you so much. Well, that does it for another episode of From the Composer. This is Larry Clark from Excelsior Music Publishing. Thank you for listening.